0: Welcome to CIO Leadership Live Canada. I'm Lee Renick, editor of CIO.com, and I'm very excited to welcome Rex Lee, Chief Information and Technology Officer at Canadian Tire. Thanks for joining us today, Rex. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your current role.
1: Great, thank you, Lee, and thanks for uh, uh, hosting me on this uh, call today, so I very much appreciate it. Uh, so as you said, uh, I am the Chief Information Technology Officer at Canadian Tire. Which means I'm responsible basically for everything to do with technology across the family of companies at Canadian Tire. So that would include Canadian Tire Retail, uh, Sport Check, uh, Marks, Party City, uh, PHL or Pro Hockey Life and several other banners uh, that we have.
0: So a really large portfolio, very um, uh, immense and different amount of retail brands that you're working on. Well, I really appreciate you joining us here today, Rex. Um, as you know, we've created this series to support the CIO and senior tech leader in their leadership and business journey. So the first question is always around that. Can you please share and tell us a little bit about your own career path and maybe provide some insights or tips on that road path? Were there any specific lessons learned you could share?
1: Sure. Um, I'll try to keep it brief. I'll, um, there's probably three big uh, companies that I worked with um, that have really shaped my career and lessons learned from from all of these. Um, I really started off my IT career with Bell Canada, and I had recently graduated. I had done my MBA. Uh, I actually wasn't thinking about IT and tech. I was actually thinking I was going to lean towards more of the marketing side uh, of things, but for some reason, tech always drew me and uh, I used to get interviews for technology roles and I uh, landed at Bell Canada and I thought I would be at Bell Canada for about two years. It turned out to be 12 uh, and there's just so many uh, opportunities and I got to do so many different things and uh, I, I still look very fondly back, uh, all the great mentors that I've had and, and opportunities uh, that I've, I've been able to be a, a part of. I would say from Bell, multiple things that I've learned. Um, one of them was uh, breaking rules. Uh, so it's, I sometimes ask folks, when's it appropriate to break a rule? Um, and uh, when the rule doesn't actually achieve what it was intended to achieve, you, you know, it forces you to rethink about the rule and, and what we're doing. When I started at Bell, I was in this uh, horrible location outside these glass doors. In a cubicle, uh, and at the end of my my row was just a big pile of old PCs, and it was it was it was horrible because people would forget their badges and they, they would knock on the on the window and they'd say, "Hey, can you let me in?" and, I, and they'd see me there, so I have to get yeah. up, I'd have to go over there, and I'd, you know ask them who they were, uh, but I got to meet everybody uh, mm. because of that, that which was great. I um, took it upon myself at, uh, at one point to take those old computers. And I built a server Uh, and then in that with that server that I built, uh, taking apart old computers, I then networked it into our our network at Bell and created uh, shared capabilities, which we didn't actually have readily available way back then. Um, And uh, it was great for information sharing and sharing of, of documents and collaboration and those kind of things. I got in a little trouble, uh, apparently I wasn't supposed to take apart equipment and uh, hook it into the network <laughs> and, <laughs> and create privileged access and all those kind of things, um, but it uh, it got me noticed uh, in some positive ways as well, and uh, sort of thinking outside the box of what my day to day job was, just saying, well, there's a better way of doing this was was something that we were able to do. Uh, lots of great stories of Bell. I was there for, for about 12 years or so and, and just really, really learned so much and just loved that company. From Bell Canada, I then went over to uh, Research in Motion, mm. which is now Blackberry. And right. it's interesting because I went to, to uh, RIM, my first meeting with them, they actually brought me over, the sales people at Bell Canada who were looking to sell services to RIM brought me over to explain to them that we actually do this stuff internally, how we collaborate, how we build these technologies, how we think of social computing and, and uh, these, these these various things. And so having a practitioner speak to it was more powerful than just having a salesperson speak to it. So they would bring me over and say, hey, how'd you do this? It was a great meeting. I loved doing it uh, and sharing a lot of the great things the team had built years. Uh, and I got a call shortly afterwards saying, hey, uh, really interesting stuff. not sure we want to buy the services, but we really want to talk to you uh, about how do you do this and it was it was just such an amazing opportunity back in those days um, you know basically the offer was whatever you want to spend, whoever you want to hire, whatever you want to buy, you can do it whatever you need. Wow like, what we, we what we want is we want to build a collaboration capability. For our organization, it's growing so quickly. You don't get those opportunities very often. Uh, even with that, because I loved working at Bell, I wasn't inclined to leave. Eventually I did. Um, and it was just, again, an amazing, amazing uh experience. Um, I probably wouldn't have left if I didn't get another phone call. Uh, but you know, my my time at, at Blackberry was amazing. You know, there's so much that's been written about the demise of uh, mm-hmm. of of Rim and BlackBerry. And in my opinion, a lot of that is just oversimplified. Um, you know, people say things like they weren't innovative enough or they didn't see Apple or, you know, these kind of things. Uh, being on the inside, I learned a lot. I learned uh, about the problems of having too much money um, and not enough governance and control. And uh, when you have unlimited resources, like I did, you're able to just do stuff. But um, constraints actually force you to do things differently right. and force you to really go, huh, maybe there's a better, smarter way. But when you don't have those constraints, you you tend to make decisions which are fast and easy as opposed to really innovative and creative. And so huge lesson learned uh, from me as I saw that. It's just one, there's several things. It's much more complicated than most people would say on the surface, but mm-hmm. uh, it was a lesson I'd learned from uh, my days at RIM. And then uh, I got a phone call uh from an old boss of mine that was at bell canada he went uh to a different company i went to a different company eventually he landed canadian tire they asked him to transform the organization from a technology perspective he called me up and said hey uh do you uh are you looking to make a change and it wasn't um but he was very convincing and then i uh, moved from teleco to tech high tech to retail and I didn't think I would make that jump. I didn't think retail would be something that would invigorate me, but I was so wrong. It's so exciting. Like on the technology side, I didn't realize how embedded technology was in everything to do with retail. And so I was hired to do, quote unquote, digital transformation. Mm. Uh, and the definition back then was implement <laughs> e-commerce. And, <Right. laughs> and you know, it was funny because there was this perception that e-commerce was just you know piece of software or something to implement. When really it is a radical business transformation, every aspect of your business changes once you start to go down that path. And so that led to a variety of other things and gave me an opportunity to do more and more. And eventually I uh, was uh, given uh, the opportunity to take on uh, the chief information and uh, technology officer role uh, for, for everything that we do.
0: What a journey, and when you said you started off (laughs) wanting to go into marketing, I feel like throughout all of this though, because I am a marketer, right, I've been a CMO, I feel like throughout all of this, you kind of had your marketing hat, a little bit of a marketing hat on there because you were going in with the sales pitches, you you know, you were experiencing Uh and looking at like earned versus paid media, but you were doing it from the standpoint of technology innovation, so I I feel like it was partially there
1: too. I got to tell you, so my, my, I, I have an MBA in marketing and IT and technology yeah. management, and the marketing side has been so helpful mm. uh, on the technology side and vice versa. And yeah. so it, it's really helped me in, in many ways.
0: Wow. Well, that is an amazing uh, story. And thank you so much for sharing that. So I wanted to pop into question number two. So you work at a very iconic Canadian brand, Canadian Tire, mm-hmm. celebrated a 100th year anniversary last year. Congratulations on that. And certainly it's imbe- been embedded in my own culture and growing up in Canada, I think, you know, for most of us, right, that we feel very uh, that it's a very iconic brand. And so but I wanted to talk to you. And one of the reasons I reached out to you originally because I was talking to another VP of Tech, um, about yes. the pandemic. And he said, you know, do you know Rex Lee? I reached out to him at the start of the pandemic because I really wanted to get some networking support and learnings on how we're gonna pivot around this. So I was just yeah. wondering if you could tell me about any lessons learned during the pandemic, you know, for the technology oh. leader and did you see more networking, more of an agile approach to given the way the world had to adapt so quickly?
1: Uh, so yes, yes, and yes on, on all those, um, those fronts. So many lessons learned. Mm. Uh, and those are the type of things where you don't really realize uh, until you're in it uh, just how amazing things can be. Um, and so, just to put a little bit of context for us during the pandemic, uh, when the government shut down all of our stores, uh, we were not deemed an essential service. So, that meant shutting down all of our stores in Ontario and Quebec. Um, That meant all traffic from a retail perspective went online. We were doing in Canadian Tire Retail uh, about 5,000 orders a day and um, we got flooded uh, well beyond anything we had possibly imagined in in terms of what we had built the system for. We were doing about 120,000 orders a day. Um, and I and I used the car analogy to help people understand just how hard of a problem this was, because if you're doing 100 kilometers an hour, if you wanted to do 120, you just step on the gas pedal a little harder. But we're talking 2,400 percent increase. Mm-hmm. That's going 2,400 kilometers an hour. Pushing the gas pedal harder doesn't get you there and you need a brand new engine. You need new tires, you need new drivers, and it's not even fixing the car. You got to fix the roads. You got to change the the traffic lights. You got, there's so many things that have to be changed. We literally had to do thousands and thousands of changes every week uh, for us to eventually figure out how to unlock uh, the scale uh, problem that we had uh, and it was extremely difficult uh, to do. I felt very personally responsible as well for putting the corporation in such a, such a challenging position where revenue is just not coming into the organization. I remember sending an email message to our, our newly minted CEO. He'd only been a CEO uh, for a couple of days before the, uh, the pandemic uh, uh, shut down everything and saying I, I felt bad and it's on me and we will figure this thing out. And, um, and he was great and just he thanked me for the message. And um, after we got through it and we figured it out and, and he sent me a beautiful, uh, beautiful note. And I said to him, um, thank you. I think we probably could have solved this faster if I didn't get so much help. And you know my point being is that it was very public And it was very, very challenging. And a lot of people jumped in uh, from all over vendors and, you know, uh, people in uh, some of them made some big claims of, well, we could solve this, we could fix this, which was somewhat ludicrous because they had no idea what the real problems were. We're a hundred year old organization. Not all of our systems are very modern. And because of that, the complexity of some of the legacy uh, infrastructure, which held back our ability to achieve what we needed to, uh, required really deep, deep, deep uh, undertaking to sort of resolve. Um, So lessons learned. Um, It's amazing what happens when you empower people and you trust them. Um bringing in more people when the problem was something that was very unique to Canadian Tire slowed things down, didn't actually help, created more confusion um, and more people uh, as opposed to just trust the team, let them go. Um, if I look from a sort of people process technology framework, you know, other things we learned on the people side is um, we didn't have to compete with priorities. You know, the number one priority is get money into the company, uh, get it up and running. So there was no sort of debate Uh, and nor was there debate as to, well, gee, you know, should this be capital or should this be OPEX? And what do we do this? And and the willingness to take risks. A lot of the structures and the things we do in the organization, every large organization, um, turned out that not all of them add value. And we were actually able to bypass many processes and still achieve what we needed to achieve, still do the right things from a risk perspective. Um, but it really helped us sort of rethink a lot from the process perspective. And one of the, I mean, the last point I'll make, we go on and on just about this one one question, Lee, is on the technology side and how um, technical debt uh, can be a problem. And in our case, the technical let. That uh, led to our inability to scale, ensure stability under high volume, high pressure. Um, And that um, if we were able to think about the next 100 years, we're going to have to get ahead of some of these things. And so it was a great opportunity for us to learn from a technology perspective, how do we think about uh, adaptability and agility uh, as well? Uh, I lied. Maybe one more thing I'll just talk about, and that is um, the operating model and how people worked. There was no real IT and business. It was just all one team. We all worked together. We all had the same goals. I felt so supported by my peers. Um, sometimes technology gets blamed for things. It's, oh man, techno- you guys in technology, you did this. And But everybody realized that it was the situation. How do I help? What do we need to do? And very supportive. And so, uh, that actually accelerated, we were already down this journey, but it helped accelerate the move towards an agile operating model where you combine business and technology teams under single structures, single squads um, with product owners um, to to achieve common objectives. Uh, and so it just helped reinforce the power uh, uh, that that can unlock.
0: Wow, what a story there. And, you know, it's interesting <laughs> you say talked about the car because I was talking to another CIO yeah. who said... The CIO right now, since the transformation, the pandemic, and everything that went on, is really had to jump into the driver's seat of the car. Yeah, like yeah. that's the analogy he used. Like we have to be yes. in the driver's seat, we're driving it, we're trying to figure out how to accelerate. And as you were talking about it, I was thinking you were talking about the business transformation as far as sales go, but you had a whole bunch, lots of employees, you know, that had to be supported through that transformation as well, right? Like, so many organizations had to support that going you know shutting down stores i mean it must have just been an incredible experience for you so i really appreciate you sharing that very very much um so wanted to talk a little bit about um shared knowledge across the organization maybe you touched on this already but you hold two titles at canadian tire the cio and the cto um, and so, I just was wondering, now that you've gone through this pandemic experience, how you implement shared knowledge across teams and management, really to funnel that into the business and make it one place. Uh, some of the CIOs I've talked to talk about, you know, huge tech can bands and different approaches to information sharing. Any tips yep. or advice around that?
1: Yeah, well, that's a great, uh, great question. Um, and, yes, I, I, I kind of hold two, two roles, the CIO and the CTO role. Uh, And I think it's it's a bit of a trend. We've seen this happen in in many other organizations. I'm sure you've seen this as well. Um, The idea being that technology, whether it's sort of internal facing or customer facing, Um, has certain constructs that can be applied more broadly speaking. And if you're able to unify these things, you can actually harness the power of of economies uh, and longer-term thinking and and, uh, greater scalability in in the long run. So my role is not just the operations and how things work today, but also what's next, what's customer-facing, and how do we evolve and what's innovative. And so how do you bring those two things together? Um, uh, So a big part of this is, how do you communicate? And how do you align? And how do you build the rapport? And how do you make sure that we're doing the right things? Uh, and it's it's interesting because a lot of organizations have evolved, uh, you know, through traditional IT, and it's really a separation between sort of what is IT versus what is the business. And so as organizations continue to mature, that sort of um, dissipates to some degree. So IT people become a little more business people and business people become a little more tech people. And, and you know, the operating model that I talked about um, really, really does help. I believe that you need the tone at the top and you need to, to uh, have that opportunity to be able to, to bring things together. And so our CEO does exactly that. I'll uh, give you an example, um, cybersecurity. Uh, is something that uh, is a challenge for every large organization these days. Um, And sometimes it's seen as a technology problem. And so technology team, IT team, cyber team, go fix it. And it can't be done because it's not a technology problem. It's a business problem. It's a business imperative. And so uh, in order to align, you have to create uh, OKRs, objectives and key results that are shared. And so it's not my objective, it is, but it's not just my objective around cybersecurity, but the chief marketing officer, the chief finance officer, the chief HR officer, they all have cybersecurity in their objectives. So the tone at the top says, okay, we're all in this together. How do we work? And so that is sort of a starting point. Without that, it's really hard to create alignment and, um, and communicate those shared objectives are so powerful. Cause that, then we know, you know, we're all working towards the, uh, the same thing. Um, the other piece, and maybe this talks lead a little bit of what we were chatting about earlier on some of my marketing background as well. Um, the in communication, the ability to listen and deeply listen and really understand sort of what are the outcomes that we're trying to achieve? What are the root root, root issues that are preventing us from, from doing whatever it is that we need to do? And then how do we talk about things that aren't so technical, uh, that are more business focused? And so we talked about the car analogy. We could use other analogies. So uh, one of the challenges that many IT organizations, especially public organizations, have is the impact accounting and finance has on technology investment, technical debt, and technical complexity. And so you can talk about OPEX and CAPEX. And OPEX is typically seen as a bad thing. It's seen as overhead and inefficiency and you know all those kind of things uh, and a drag on a corporation. Whereas capital is often seen as a very positive thing. It's an asset. It's creation of something, a capability. It's possibly innovation. And so it's seen as a good thing. So it's still the same money. If it's $100, it's $100. But if one is seen as negative, one is seen as positive, then you're probably going to want to spend on op- on uh, CapEx versus OpEx. But you can make bad decisions because of accounting versus technology decisions based on technology. Uh, so as I explain this concept to the board, because you can get a little technical uh, points, is I, I talk about how it's easier for me to keep buying new cars than it is to fix the car that I have. So coming back to another car analogy. We are Canadian Tire, by the way. So it's easier for me to buy another car so I can do something versus fix the car that I have because I have money, but it's ridiculous. I don't need five cars. I only need the one. But because I can't get money to fix the car, I'll just go buy a new one because I can afford that. It makes no sense at all. And so using the the power of storytelling and analogies is is really helpful in sort of uh, making sure that you get that alignment. And then focus on outcomes as opposed to focusing on tasks and activities, telling people you got to patch a bunch of servers you know, that doesn't really uh, get you very far. Uh, explaining what risk is being mitigated uh, and what that would mean to their business, our business, our customers, much more powerful.
0: So what I'm hearing, this is an amazing conversation, by the way, thank you. What I'm hearing here is like, okay, so you did your MBA. So did I have one too. You're putting on your finance hat there. So you really are, And we talk <laughs> to people like you, you really are taking on the full business role and really understanding the finance. and like, again, the marketing aspect, learning how to interpret information and make it more usable for someone else, you know, the sales aspect, or if we have to buy this, or if we want to sell more of this, how does technology impact on it? So I appreciate mm-hmm. all the ways you've, you've shared um, how you work in that area. We have one last question. And it was just around, it was around cyber. You touched on it briefly, but you know, I, my question says we've talked about the changing nature of cyber I think cyber is just ongoing so let's not say changing but ongoing um and just you know the need for collaboration and education around cyber could you talk a little bit about that as a leader like how do you manage that ongoing and permanent nature of cyber security and you did touch on that a little bit but if there's anything yeah. else you want to add there
1: Sure. It's, uh, I mean, it's on the minds of everybody. Uh, It's on the minds of boards uh, everywhere. And there's so much, unfortunately, that's been going on, especially in the last little while in and within Canada uh, as well. Um, You know, it does start with this acknowledgement that uh, cybersecurity is not a technology problem. It's a business problem. It's a business issue, a business imperative. Um, And that helps set the tone. And uh, what we've done at Canadian Tires, we've actually embedded objectives across all of the, uh, the sea levels. And so if we say it's everyone's problem, then let's put it in everyone's objectives. It just makes sense. That is so helpful because now everyone is, well, how do I you know, do what I need to do? And we'll help you with that and we'll, we'll figure it out. And the, a big shift has to happen in terms of uh, what you're looking at. And it needs to be focused on outcomes. And so from a, from a business perspective, so, so many cybersecurity uh, programs, they focus on tasks and metrics and and maturity models. Uh, you know, expa- explaining sort of a CMMI, you know, 2.6 versus a 2.8 is really, really hard to get people to actually care. Um, but when you talk about the likelihood of business disruption or the likelihood of physical harm, uh, because of operational technology these autonomous vehicles uh, drones that are used robotics within uh, distribution centers all these things can kill you they, like now we're we've got cyber at a, such a different level and so when you start to explain it in business terms around residual risk and cyber risk scenarios that is our north star and so uh, in cyber you often hear the adage of it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, and it's a good adage uh, and, and very true. I mean, when the world's best of the best can't completely defend what makes you think that you're so much better than everybody else, uh, any organization of scale and, and, and size. Um, so you spend a lot of time then talking about what is the North Star and whatever plan I have, if I'm still doing the same plan next year, then I fail because I fail to adapt because there's no way things would have stood still for an entire year in the world of cyber. Uh, So agility and agile operating models, a focus on um, uh, business risk scenarios, residual risk, the ability to pivot are all really important. The, um, The mindset, not only across my peers, but also within technology within the cyber team has to change as well. So for example, um, there was a time when if you asked people in the cybersecurity team what their job was, they would have said something like, well, our job is to secure secure the company, make sure things are safe, something like that. And that's not their job. Uh, well, it's not completely their job. Their real job is to facilitate the business in a secure way. Um, because the first sort of definition could propagate certain behaviors that aren't consistent with what we need to do as an organization. Shutting down e-commerce would make us a lot safer. None of that pesky PII uh, data floating around and credit card information and transactions that could be hijacked, you know, just get rid of it all, just shut it down. In fact, why not shut down the stores as well? That just creates more risk. For That does not help the business though. And so when you start to think about this, you go, okay, My job isn't just to make things safe, because there's lots of ways to shut things down and say what we can't do. Our job is to say, okay, how do I make the business even better, but do it in a way that's secure? And so that small little shift has a big impact uh, in terms of mindset and what we need to do and uh, creates the alignment across the business that they know we get it. Our job isn't just to shut you down and say, no, our job is to help you, but make sure we help the corporation as a whole
0: well wow, that that is a fantastic analogy and I'm thinking about the car analogy and again like you know how cars make improvements all the time if you're now looking to change lanes you get a little beep you don't do it you know all of that stuff so it's ever yeah. evolving. since we're talking about Canadian tire anyway.
1: that's awesome I love it I love it
0: <laughs> well I really wanted to thank you so much for joining me today Rex for the CIO leadership live Canada discussion um, thank you so much and if anyone out there is interested in viewing this and learning from this video please head over to CIO.com forward slash CA for more information. Thanks again, Rex.
1: Thank you.